When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is this is uh, you know the news, and I I don't know how it was filtered to me. I think from other people telling me about their social media, uh, there was the shooting in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I didn't really follow it too closely. But then somebody told me that Trevor Noah said some things, so I went on to Instagram on my computer where I, where I can access it and watch Trevor Noah, and it was fascinating to watch his take be so different from mine, with I think the same amount of information flowing to both of us, which is very little that that. There was a uh, shooter in Atlanta, a white guy. He went to several uh, Asian spas. We have like these Mm -hmm. foot spas in California, so I kind of am familiar with it. And he shot, I think, nine people. Uh, Six of whom were Asian women, and Trevor doesn't mention this. One of whom was a white woman, and one of whom was a Latin guy. Um, Attempting pretty clearly to kill them all. The Latin guy, I think, is still alive, but was shot in the forehead. So, oh wow! It was not a. It wasn't it was, a drive-by. No, he went to three separate things and was like targeting these spas. And when I knew he was targeting the spas, but yeah. I kind of just pictured it because it said he did three of them. I kind of pictured it. He was just like spraying the place randomly. So I, I guess so. Yes. So when asked why, and you know, this is a clearly a uh, crazy individual. So like, who knows if he could be trusted? But he said that. It was because of sex addiction, and he viewed these places as temptations, uh, which maybe there was some— He used to go, right? There may or may not have been illegal prostitution going on at these things. He might have been someone who attended it. I don't know. He also might have just gotten a platonic spa massage, but because he's fucked up in the head, he felt it was sexual temptation. We don't know. It's so early is the point. Like Nobody knows why, but Trevor Noah uh, is totally convinced, because six of the women were Asian, that this is— uh, if this isn't racism, then nothing is, is what Trevor Noah says. Uh, and he then goes on to connect these shootings to people saying, or politicians saying, Kung flu and Chinese virus. Uh, and thinks that anyone, I guess, who is saying what I say, which is like, I'm not convinced with the data that I have that this is at all racially motivated, is blind and wrong. Mm. And I was just sitting there like... Well, kind of. So again, it it absolutely could be racially. Motivated, it could be first 100%. of all. There was also that that guy on campus who made that crazy video about how he's going to kill all the sorority girls because they denied him his love. Yeah. And what he ended up doing was stabbing his three Asian roommates to death because mm-hmm. they were his roommates. Yeah. And then yeah. got to the sorority house, got scared, and basically ran away and then killed himself. I think it was. So he made a letter explicitly saying, I'm angry at women. They're denying my sex, all this stuff. But then if you look at his victims, they were Asian. Yeah. So, and this was way before coronavirus. This is years and years ago. So is this person 
racially motivated because the victims were mostly Asian? Is he motivated against women because his letter? Because he said he was was yeah. was basically like it was a video. It was a video recording. Yeah, I don't even know what to call it. It was like a manifesto against yeah. women denying him their love mm-hmm. and uh, and the guys. He also was critical of the men, the brutes. He called them. Yeah, the chads. It was <laughs> not. Who wound up being his victims. Yes. The people that he spoke about for 25 minutes were not. Which is actually to say nothing mm-hmm. about this current shooting. It is not to say that it wasn't racially motivated. It's just interesting because I don't think that that other one was, even mm-hmm. though the victims were mostly Asian, which is that's a very long anecdotal way of saying yeah. you you don't know someone's motivation just by looking at the racial demographics well, of their victims. Trevor says actions speak louder than words and killing six Asian women means that you're racist even if two or of the other ones are non and i was just so if you're in a gang and you kill people in another gang and all those other gang members are a certain race yeah are you immediately racist against the latino asian white black whatever that race of gang was or are you motivated by the fact that they're in a rival gang yeah we could i could draw a lot of specific examples of um an individual of one race committing crimes exclusively against people of another race and in my opinion that not being racially motivated at all uh but I by don't. the way that doesn't even mean that there's not an uptick in anti-asian racism no. in america in 2021 no. i think people get confused by like there can be an uptick and a problem mm-hmm. of uh anti-asian american racism occurring in america and this one incident may or may not be related to that at all. You know what I'm saying? Like this doesn't discount people who feel that they've experienced more racism this year and are Asian and people are are saying coronavirus slurs at them. You know what I'm saying? Like Jeremy Lin was on the basketball court and he said someone made a coronavirus related slur to him. Okay, that is anti-Asian American racism. But the shooting, we just don't know anything about yet. Yeah, it's the, I because I think Trevor's a smart guy. I loved his book. I liked a lot of it, and I think that he's, without knowing him, I generally trust his motives, I guess, because I read his book and I liked it. You know, that's, I don't know anything about the guy other than what I've seen. And he has a really good stand-up routine. And he's, and he's funny. Uh, but I was just shocked. I was like, dude, if we sat next to each other right now, you think that I'm blind, and I think that you're blind, and we're operating off of, at least with regards to this particular story, the same six lines of data, which mm-hmm. is, this many people were shot, this was the color of people's I skin. I actually think we are guilty of this as well. I think that if you talk to him, he would very quickly come down to, I think it's likely instead of this was definitely, I think he would very quickly drop his certainty. If you just talk to him about this other stabbing and the blah, blah. And he, if he were sitting here during this conversation, I actually think he would very quickly go, okay, fine. That's fair. But I, but I think this was, yes. and it's like, okay, well now we've dropped from this absolutely is. And if you don't see it, then you're racist to okay, maybe this wasn't, but I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I think we could very quickly walk him to that. And then that's maybe. where we would just go, okay, well, now we agree. I say I have no idea. Yeah. You say you think you have an idea. Neither of us thinks that the other is racist and neither of us thinks that the well, other then, one is certain. If that's the case, then this, the, I guess the most interesting piece of his perspective is audience capture on social media, which is to say he, his audience doesn't want to hear that. Our audience wants to hear us most of the time, I think, 
say we don't know. <laughs> like that's why they come here, and that's why there's fewer of them than there are of people watching uh, Glenn Beck or Trevor Noah or. Well, actually, <laughs> and I think from Trevor's perspective, the bigger thing is sometimes you find out about this news and you have to talk about it that day. Yeah, and then and you have a thought or a feeling, and then everyone in your circle either agrees yeah. with you or fears disagreeing with you. So I don't know who's around Tre- Trevor. I, mean I don't know. Caption. I don't yeah. know if they're. But I'm saying in his person, by from when he got the news to when he went on the TV show, I don't know if he's surrounded by yes men or people who agree with him, but I, I imagine what he didn't have was a bunch of pushback from people he respects mm-hmm. prior to getting on the show. And that's only, it could have been a couple hours. And then he's on the show with 100% conviction. And maybe two days from now, he'll wake up and realize he doesn't have that conviction. But he's not going to go redact mm-hmm. the show from two days ago. So I think sometimes you get these people... Who go on, well, talk with a bunch of conviction, so I guess have they, more nuance afterwards, but they're just on to the next news story. Yeah. So he closes by, and I, I generally am like, oh, cool, charity. But I also, I've, I'm reminded of um, Jack Dorsey giving $10 million to Ibram X. Kendi during the BLM riots. And he says, donate to these advocacy groups. And I don't know anything about the advocacy groups, but what might have been a fleeting hot take on his part mm-hmm. results in money transfer to... Again, I don't know, but potentially activist organizations that will then advance policy based on a hot take that is not true. And that seems like increasingly, and well, this is the good news as I like was looking at this. We've lived in this world for a long time. Um, to me, the, this, I know what happened and I'm going to bring this very strong lens to the data and it, you know, ignore the, there was a white woman and a Latin guy shot like... <laughs> Seems like a weird thing to do in a in a racially motivated crime. I imagine that he might have driven past Asian people on the way to these spas that he didn't target. You know, like seemed that the spas themselves were the the target. Uh, we've had this though in America for a long time, and I've just I grew up in it. It was the religious lens that was put on everything, and so we had policies that say you can't use stem cells. You have you know churches and all these other things are tax exempt. Things that to me are like this is crazy mm-hmm. as someone who isn't religious like why would it why would this organization be tax exempt why wouldn't we be able to use stem yeah. cells why are but, they tax exempt uh explain I, it to me without saying the past like it's 2021 oh, I, can't, I can't i can't strong strong man it steel man it steel man it steel man it. it's 2021 i'm a okay. church why shouldn't i pay taxes i can't um i can't steal man it. you have to refer and uh, here's here's i guess why the will of the people we have a largely religious population that doesn't want that to be taxed and the government is supposed to be representative of the people though if you put it to a vote and that was the one thing i don't actually know what the majority of people would vote but i do think it's an entrenched it's an entrenched way that things have been and it's not just churches it's any organization that that can qualify as religious which includes scientology at this point Mm -hmm. um as well as you know judaism and islam and all of these these other things uh so to me, that that's doesn't make any sense. But I was just like, oh, we've had there's been there's been people with different worldviews affecting politics for a long time. Oh yeah, and I've it's become the water to me. And so this one is a relatively new one where it's like when when something happens, we can look at the racial makeup, and if it fits this particular criteria of two thirds of the victims are of a certain race, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, in spite of what the person says their motive are, what their motive was. And we'll then categorize that as a hate crime and then make policy (laughs) that reflects the fact that hate crimes are on the rise with this data included as it potentially. Right. And it seems like that's the direction things are going to go. Oh, that's, that's poor sense making. And then Mm -hmm. I go, Oh, 
we've been doing poor sense making for a long time. It's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we've 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 uh, had, we've brought a lot of baggage to the table for a long time. Yeah, no, and then and immediately I, I just like kind of try to chess out these ar- arguments ahead of time. Then immediately the counter to that is well, even if this wasn't a racially motivated crime, it can't possibly be a bad thing to make policy that is meant to limit racially motivated crime, even if this wasn't one. And I agree with that. I think it's good to try to demotivate racially motivated crime. And then the only thing you want to think about as you go down that is incentives. Because I think the government has tried to do good in the past and set up incentive structures that are actually bad for the people that are trying to help. Mm -hmm. So that's the real risk. It's like somehow they see this and then well-intentionally try to stop racially motivated crimes. But in the effort to do this, they somehow fuck it up. Because mm-hmm. if they actually got it right and all they did was misinterpret this potentially not racist event, but then make a policy that limits racism in America, that would be great. The fear is just that they would fuck it up somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and that's the natural consequence of getting the control state misunderstood, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're saying, oh, this is this is what's happening, but you're, you're not getting an accurate view of the world as it is, any attempt to change that in a particular direction can very easily go yeah, I agree. the wrong way. And just to, and just to say it again, this totally could have been could be. racially motivated, and still can be, still can be. If you go to his house, for instance, and find, uh, you know, certain types of whatever images or writings or all of this. Yeah, if his journal stuff, like, is just aggressively anti Asian, yeah, yeah, it's a great hint. Yeah, I'll, that this I'll is throw anti-Asian. out. I'll throw out what he told the police. Yeah, but it's also like for somebody to have I don't know what you can call it, but like the insanity and the guts to go from three different locations shooting people. And to then back out at the last minute for saying their true motivation, because I, I it's, it's just that's such a strange thing for me to wrap my head around. Why wouldn't he? We just don't know. Someone sure. someone did a mass shooting and then sub- <laughs> subscribed to PewDiePie. I, th- I think the best place to land is just we have yeah. no idea yet. Yeah. And that's the other thing is what people say, you know, is not the end of the story, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't believe that that guy was doing it for PewDiePie in Christchurch. <laughs> that doesn't add up to me. I'm yeah. looking for um, congruent evidence across behavior, spoken word, past behavior, past past speech, all that kind of stuff. But Justin, I told you we'd, we'd get yeah. to your uh, your take. What do you think? I think there's a piece of context we're missing between the Elliot Page like incel guy mm-hmm. who happened to to kill three Asian people, and then this shooting which targeted um, massage parlors, and then the the reasoning being that it's because he thought that they were sexual temptations or whatever. I think the piece that we're missing is that um, like massage parlors and kind of like, I guess, Asian migrant workers uh, and sex work are just so closely tied in like American society that I, I do think if he targets three Asian spas, which may or may not have actually been prostitution, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, buildings or whatever. Probably um, weren't. Yeah, then I think that's totally racially motivated because he sees a bunch of Asian women like working as masseuses. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he used to go there. I don't know if that changes your opinion. I could be wrong, but my impression was that he used to frequent these places. Yeah, then I would question um, if maybe that feeling of sexual temptation was maybe heightened because it was all Asian women that worked there. Do you think, so uh, Let's. Uh, this is a world that doesn't exist, but let's say that there were three spas run by white people that had the same mm-hmm. price, the same thing. Do you think that he would not have hit those places? 
No, I think he would have if if there was like the stigma of like I guess like for whatever reason like let's say like poor white women just mm-hmm. like tend to like all become prostitutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then to me, and so I guess this is what I felt with everything from BLM to police shootings is if there's a group identity marker that is more accurate and more predictive than race, that to me seems to be the motive, which is sex worker, right? Is like, and so, mm-hmm. so if he would have targeted sex workers and he says that he was going for sex workers uh, and six of eight or nine were of a particular race, I find... I guess the sex worker thing as the more compelling thing. But also, even with this, like, this just seems like a fucking crazy person. Again, I don't know. It all depends on what comes out. But, uh, yeah, I guess I guess more data is needed. Do you think that this ought to be categorized as a hate crime against Asians? I do. Yeah. yeah. I Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between why he would target a all-Asian or, you know, supposedly perceived as a majority asian massage parlor versus like an elements or whatever so do you think maybe it's because he went there though right so i'll I'll give you another example i actually don't know that Mm -hmm. this is the case but um do you know if in the duke lacrosse scandal that the the girls who came do you know what race they were by any chance i thought it was just one i think it was just one black woman okay so let's say i think it was one black woman and the duke lacrosse team was predominantly white and she accused them of uh assault and rape do you think that that is racially motivated like that she was anti-white because she could have gone to a black fraternity and done it and probably had the opportunity to i would probably not classify it as anti-white more like anti-male mm-hmm. um well was she telling the truth or no no she know? she'd made it oh, up she just made it up yeah and again so i guess i guess what i'm saying you don't have to know the answer to this one if you don't know the the more of the details um yeah to me to me just what was that the case, Ben? Are you yeah, one one black woman named Crystal Magnum. Crystal Magnum. <laughs> what are the odds that's, that's her name. birth name? That's <laughs> <laughs> what it says. She's a woman from Durham, North Carolina, best known for false rape accusations against lacrosse players in 2006. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so, so I, this is this is the danger, I think. It's like, I don't think that that's racially motivated. I think that that's a woman who, and again, what it, what she probably saw the opportunity for a bunch of affluent people to be accused of something mm-hmm. that she thought she could get away with and could make a ton of money. Now, White people happen to be affluent in that area, sure, but I don't think that what motivated her was the fact that they were white. I suspect that she might have done it to a group of Indian people or black people or now probably men, <laughs> but, but that's not because I think she hates men. That's because it's a less credible story if she says that a bunch of women raped her. So, um, yeah, that's where I land. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Got it. So what do you think... So why is that case not racially motivated when we have one person of a certain race accusing mm-hmm. a different race and, and there's things that correlate with that, which is well, why. that's yeah, that's why I said the Elliot Page thing was not racially. Sorry, racially not Elliot motivated. Page. Elliot, his different name. Elliot Page is oh. Ellen Page, right? Elliot Page. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> what's, <Fuck. laughs> what's, the, uh, what's that guy's name? Elliot Rogers? Elliot Rogers. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Elliot Rogers. And so what oh, were you saying? What? Um, that I, I think that just looking at... <laughs> Well, first, just looking at, um, I guess, like the outcome isn't necessarily what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's totally different. I mean, so he, he targeted also just like 100% Asian people, but I don't think that was racially motivated. Who? A- Elliot Rogers. Yeah, Elliot Rogers. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And so in his case, what is it? Is it Was it his manifesto that convinces you? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's less... 
it's more credible to say that he was just a crazy person who was just targeting whoever was in his vicinity, which happened mm-hmm. to be his roommates. Like because, I would buy that because story. he has that whole video, right? But in the case of the Atlanta guy, I I think there's such a strong link between Asian sex work. I guess not not even in my mind. I guess this is the other thing that Trevor said, which is the idea that these stereotypes are pervasive. Maybe it is in his mind, and I don't I don't think we know that. I guess it, would you change your mind? This is some street epistemology. If the cops go to his house and they turn over all of these sex work um, snuff films and they're of all different races and they're of all different things and they find that he's like he hates anything to do with sex work and then he found out that these places were doing it. Would, th- would that? Yeah, so I'm saying I, I don't doubt that he might just hate like the idea of sexual temptation. I think he mm-hmm. has a background in Christianity, mm-hmm. which kind of adds up. But I, I think the problem is that um, Asian massage parlors, especially ones that look kind of like lower end um are just linked to sex work like Mm -hmm. i think that's just the the bias that all americans have in their mind i mean i guess i can't say all americans but i would be willing to bet is it fair to say that you think that the shootings were motivated to target sex workers i think they were motivated yeah 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 but that this person had a stereotype that asian masseuses yep. are sex workers yep exactly and, and so the racism in your mind is the fact that he made the leap to assume that asian massage parlors are actually prostitution dens yep here's here's a question and this is a t- tricky one because i've heard people say things like we have to get rid of stereotypes and i completely disagree with that because we would function and i just don't mean racial stereotypes the idea that you can take past experience and generalize to the future with a higher degree of probability than simply randomness um, when I go into a house and I see a four-legged thing with a seat, but I've never seen that shape before, I go, oh, that's a chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so these stereotypes exist in a lot of different ways, but I hear people saying that we have to throw them away. Would you change your mind if it turned out that all three of these particular locations he had confirmation were doing prostitution and he did not just pick three random Asian massage parlors, that he picked three that he had firsthand knowledge were actually doing prostitution? I would still question why he would only ask about these like Asian massage parlors and why not other maybe straight up brothels. Sure. So what I would say is there was probably a guy within the last six months who did that and didn't make the news. And he went to a brothel mm-hmm. and shot a white woman or a black woman or whatever. And this one, this is the thing like all over America with 300 million people surges yeah. to the front. So we have an example. So if you take the larger thing, what you might see is that, yeah, there are things that we just don't get made aware of. Are those similarly going to be racially motivated? The ones that we're not aware of. So let's say that there's a guy that doesn't mm-hmm. make the news that goes and kills three white prostitutes, which I would be willing yep. to bet has happened within the last 12 months. Sure. Um, and maybe he was of a different racial background. That is not going to surge to our yeah, the top of the that. news. Um, would that one therefore be racially motivated if he didn't kill? This no, is a hypothetical there's no, situation. There's no racial assumption going on there. Uh, like he, he just dislikes all... S- like maybe this guy dislikes all sex workers, but I'm saying he targeted Asian massage parlors because there's a link in his head that says, you know, like migrant Asian women are, you know, working as masseuses are mm-hmm. are sex workers, and that's why. But this guy who hypothetically kills, um, I guess like three. What if he thinks that poor white women from trailer parks are sex workers? Like all of them? 
No, he doesn't think all of them. The other guy or, doesn't think that all Asian women are sex workers. I, I, well, all, I, all, I, all Asian I, women who work at mis- massage parlors. I bet you he doesn't Or maybe think not that. all of them, but... I bet you he doesn't a think A good that. handful of them. Like, he walks into a Asian masseuse parlor and assumes that there is sex work going on. Mm-hmm. And you're saying if this guy... Well, we don't know. So I guess what I'm saying, but the thing is, look, there's, there's uh-huh. a world in which this guy is definitely racially motivated. There's a world sure. with, and, and a scheme where that, that's the case. I'm just saying that I don't know, and I'm surprised to hear you and Trevor Noah say that you, you, you feel strongly convinced of it, given what to me seems like a lack of data. And then in situations with different racial constructs, hesitate to make that, that leap. Wait, what do you mean? So, like, in the Duke lacrosse thing, for her, it's mm-hmm. totally possible that woman thought rich, white Duke people sure. and said, I'm going to target the White House, you know, with the, these they're lacrosse mm-hmm. players, you know, and the, the majority white kids, cause they, and they go to Duke. For, for that not to be racially motivated, but for this attack to be, both with the lack of knowledge that we have around them, seems inconsistent to me, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I could say that it was racially motivated then. Got it. So you would sooner, like if she, yeah, if, if I, yeah, based on that context, if she was a, like, I don't know, I assume if she was targeting like affluent people, she was lower class. Mm -hmm. Um, and she saw like these rich white guys at Duke Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm going to target them because they're rich white guys. And I would say, yeah, that's that's racially motivated. Yeah, this is interesting to me. This is where I, I can't. And I, I know that I'm not convincing you. You don't have to be. I hear rich and I go, she wants the rich people. Yeah, you know? I agree with that, too. I, I think she would have done it to black people. And I think this guy, I don't know anything about him particularly, too. might have killed and did. I mean, shot a Latin guy in the head, shot a white woman, like, you know, shot. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, what's interesting, I guess, nowadays is when you give a. These people belong to this group. They are in massage parlors. They are lacrosse students. They are rich. They are this. The trait that surges to the front in everybody's mind is mm-hmm. skin color, you know, like racial background. Uh, and that to me is not as good of an explanation as, depending on the situation, other groups that they belong to. And I think, quite frankly, makes me feel, I don't know, nervous. <laughs> that, that, yeah, no, I'm not saying way. that. I'm not saying that this guy definitely did it only because they were Asian. I'm just saying that I think that there is an inextricable link between how people perceive Asian masseuses and sex work in America. And therefore, I think that it would be highly unlikely to say that there wasn't some kind of bias going on in his head. Got it. But possible. But possible. Sure. It's possible that he maybe just like lived under a rock. Well, no, not. Not lived under a rock, but, uh, you know, Ted Bundy, I think all of his victims were white, I believe. And there was, there wasn't just six of them. There was like 20 something of them. Right. Yeah. So the question is, why did he only target white women? Is it because he hated white women? Was it because well, they were there... the easiest targets? Was it because he had a subconscious bias that white women were the weakest women? Like we don't know that white but... sorority girls were less likely to scream or yeah. And I, and I think, well, my point being that we wouldn't leap to saying that, uh, he, that Ted Bundy hated white people, but that's because I don't think that there's like, I don't think that's like a, a, a storyline in like American society that, you know, that white women are somehow like weaker than women of other races or whatever. I think there might and be. And therefore, I mean, sure, if there might be, and maybe Ted Bundy held that view, but I don't think it's as widely held as 
something like Asian sex workers? I don't think it's as widely held as... So Justin is Asian. That's why we are yeah. deferring to him a lot on this. People don't know that. Yeah. I've, I've had people yeah. listen in. And they just think Justin is some random white dude. Uh, so Justin is Asian, which is why we're uh, trying to get his perspective on this. Um, but I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know that people actually think there aren't white prostitutes and black prostitutes and Latina prostitutes. No, no uh, I'm not saying there me, aren't. I, yeah. To me, I don't think Asians are like disproportionately or linked massage parlors. I mean, I, I do, I do know that there's a connection there, but I don't know. Um, with all of this, and this is the other thing is that the assumption that stereotypes are widely held, therefore individually held as I think a leap, you know what I mean? Just to say that like, Oh, a lot of people feel this way. Therefore Wait. this particular guy felt this way. But I mean, I would acknowledge that I would walk into an all Asian massage parlor that looks kind of dingy. And I would question if it was a a prostitution from I don't man because I go to these I was places gonna say, all yeah, I've the been freaking to a- <laughs> time man. I go exclusively to these Asian foot spots because they're cheap and it has never occurred to me that they would do it and no one's ever offered <laughs> yeah, no one's ever I've been to a lot of Asian spas no one has ever offered to jerk me off or have sex with me so. ever in my life at any spa by the way uh and I've and I've gotten massages in a lot of places um so again that's just my own personal thing but when I go there yeah I, I have a different stereotype what is my stereotype that they're not going to speak English that they're probably not very well trained, but they'll do a good job on your feet and that the price will be really cheap and they'll be very friendly. So yeah, that's an interesting use of the word stereotype because that's not based on something you saw on TV. That's based on the fact that you've probably gotten $120 massages over the last couple of years. Oh, way more than that. I go I go all the time. Yeah, so is that a stereotype? Yes. Like what, so, yes. so it's based on your own experience not based on what you've seen on tv so we should define but stereotype. You, but yeah. you say yeah most of the time if you go to an all asian massage parlor where even though the paperwork or whatever is going to be in both asian and english that not a lot of people speak english that's your experience from two thousand times going to these the places front desk person will speak some but it will be with a heavy accent yeah. that the person who does you will speak almost none and if you say soft you'll have to use three synonyms to try to communicate and maybe hand gestures yeah um, is that a stereotype? Yes, it's a stereotype. Now, here's the thing. Here's, Justin, here's the do you problem. think it's a stereotype? Of course it's a stereotype. Well, I'm just trying to define what a stereotype is. Uh, that's sure. A stereotype so, is any time that you take a past experience and abstract from that some of the criteria that were in it and use it to inform future decisions, behavior, and thought patterns. And so that's what I do. Now, the problem with stereotypes is if I go in there and I start speaking very slowly to the person at the front desk, which I do, and then she goes, oh, yeah, what time are you thinking? And then I continue, <laughs> in spite of new evidence, to treat this person like they can't understand English spoken at, this, at the pace that I'm used to speaking it. Uh, and I think this is generally the problem. We, also, we, we talked about stereotypes, and of course people don't like racial profiling. Like, that's a big issue. But if there was a murder, and it was a bloody murder, you would not see cops pulling over grandmothers, or children, or a lot of well-to-do looking women. They would go for men. <laughs> that looked our age and then within that they would look for lower class men they would look for men that looked rumpled well they'd also look for the husband or the boyfriend because that's who does the murder that's who does the murder all the time (laughs) exactly so i don't know if that counts as a stereotype so they would absolutely go all right where's the guy that was having sex with her yes uh and so i this this is a deviation from what we were talking about but the idea that that we should throw out stereotypes it would grind the world to a halt we would become so it would make us unable to learn from past experiences. Of course, there's problems with stereotypes when they're held too firmly. And I think that's what we're talking about with everything is, um, I don't know, we always say like slow down, try to make slower. Well, I also think people, 
I do think people conflate things because there's a, there was this, I forget what, it, if it's a study or just an anecdote, but the idea that, uh, you know, some, someone will, uh, you know, a large black man in a, in a tank top will come walking down the sidewalk late at night and women will cross to the other side of the road and people go, oh, that's racism. Yeah. If a 240 pound yoked white guy with a shaved head, a tattoo and a tank top is walking down the street, that same woman is going to cross the street. So there is a stereotype occurring, but I don't know that it's a racial stereotype. It might be. It, it, it also might be, yeah. be a jacked guy with a tattoo and a tank top stereotype. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it maybe it's a combination of both. Yeah. But I guess that's, that's the question is like, what, what feature are you going to make your narrative about? That's, Does that I, make sense? That's, I guess what I'm saying is that I like racism influences things it influences crime it influences prejudice it of course influences all of these things what i am s- nervous about in the world that i see is it is the immediate first cause in so many explanations for why things are the way that they are and we've talked about it that it's you know race sex and sexual orientation or race gender and sexual orientation uh surge the top without what i would consider necessary due diligence in a lot of cases and to me you know we talked about it. if you get the causes for problems wrong you will fuck up the solutions mm-hmm. and potentially make things worse we can come back to this um if you have more that you want to do but let's let's hop sure and i guess the last thing i would say is it still could be that this guy absolutely hates asians yeah that's we're not saying that that's not the case i'm not even saying that he particularly hates asians i'm just saying that that link is in his head and therefore it would be a motivator for him to target specifically asian massage parlors Yes. So I'm not saying that he even hates Asians. I'm just saying that because that stereotype exists and I think is widely held, maybe not by everybody as evidenced by Charlie, but I think it's it's widely enough held for me to just be able to say that that was most likely a thought that went through his mind when he thought to himself, like, what are the, I guess, like, the the areas of sexual temptation in my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? No, go ahead. Yeah, regardless of if he had been offered sex at these parlors or not. Yeah, I see two totally viable explanations. One would be that he uh, went to these massage parlors because they were Asian and because he thought that Asian people were sex workers. And that's why he went there in the first place was because he was looking to have sex with a prostitute. Then because he's Christian, he hated himself for it. And so he killed them. And it was motivated by that link in his head of Asian people being sex workers at massage parlors. And then another one I could understand is he doesn't have a lot of money. So he goes to, and let's say he doesn't get, no women want him. And so in an effort to get touched by a woman, he goes to the cheapest massage parlor he can find, which is an Asian massage parlor, and then feels aroused. And then because he's Christian, hates himself and them, and then goes, kills them. Those both seem completely believable to me. And so one is, created by racism and one is created by I guess, economics. Yeah. And I think the police should be able to suss that out. So like, we'll know. And I'd call it, I wouldn't even say it's 50, 50. It's just some percentage and some percentage. Maybe and, it's 70, 30. There's, there's also, by the way, all of this could be bullshit. He might have a manifesto and he might be part of, uh, he might be a fucking undercover operative in a terrorist group. We have no idea. Like there's, there's a whole, other category yeah to be fair his sex thing could be complete bullshit he could hate asian people and have targeted them the massage parlors because then he gets to use the sex addict excuse Mm -hmm. like he could be even even a worse racist than we're saying i just have no idea 
Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard him say anything. I haven't found the police say anything. I haven't seen any manifestos or evidence. So like all I know is that he shot eight people and six of them were Asian. Yeah. So, so I guess I don't want to slow down too much, but what I wish that we had were consistent principles that were called out and how we assessed motive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And obviously there's going to be some gray zone, but like, you know, what the person says matters, but isn't definitive. Uh, the, the racial identity of the victims matters, but isn't definitive. Right. And what I'm hearing and, and is that whatever the algorithm going on in Trevor Noah's head, the way that he's expressing it is the results speak for themselves. You know, because the victims are of this thing and because there is a stereotype and because politicians said Wuhan flu, we know. And I'm like, man, I hope that there's more than that adding up in your head <laughs> to, uh, the, to this probably, conclusion. Probably not in the short, probably not, but I think he would be open to it if if pushed on it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I think he holds that belief that he said, yeah. but not... As strongly particularly as strongly yeah but i do i do think that's the algorithm that's running in his head and i think when he said it he meant mm-hmm. it and was convinced of it but i do think he's smart and would be open to softening although i do think he would still say it, it's not 50 50 it's 80 20 yeah 80 percent racially motivated so i wrote i had the word beliefs down and you just said beliefs so let's see what i had here oh i i've mentioned this before but i was thinking about it with regards to like how this had to me a bit of religious flavor in it uh, and how it's such a strongly held belief and why why is it such a strongly held belief is you know Trevor Noah you said is going to say one thing to his audience and potentially another in a group and that's not because he's being deceptive I think it's because the strongly the most strongly held beliefs are the ones that make you socially acceptable and in in his circle community of viewers that is a belief that makes him acceptable and a champion of all sorts of things. They all, it's also believes it gives you a special place in the universe. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with explaining the most evidence or getting things right because we just have evolved to make other people like us so we survive. So I was just thinking of my own life. What are the things that uh, keep me socially acceptable? And the biggest one is that I think, uh, or the first one, not the biggest one, is related to sort of capitalism and like uh, why I get to be the boss of Charisma on Command is because, you know, because I made it and <laughs> it keeps it socially acceptable. So I, I didn't I didn't get to go deep on it because I was just thinking about this beforehand, but I don't know if that sparks anything in your mind. No, I mean, I think the one, one thing I think of is the, that I think a lot of people feel is uh, how important dating is. I think there's there's a biological desire to reproduce. There's a desire to have physical comfort and emotional connection. But I also think there's a stigma that's getting less and less around being single, such that I think people who are single feel, even if they don't mind not having a boyfriend or girlfriend, even if they like their alone time, even if they actually are quite happy minute to minute of their day, hanging out with friends, going to a job they like, playing video games at night or reading a book, that they have a sense of failing at society's scorecard. You know what I mean? Like they are a failure. They are not good enough because they don't have a significant other. And I think that's something, I don't think it's caused by society. But, but what you're saying is that that belief is in place because that keeps you socially acceptable. If you have a significant other, therefore you fit better. Yes. If you were just a guy or a girl who had casual sex all the time mm-hmm. and was really happy about it and never felt a lack for anything more because you were had a close 
family ties, close friendships, you had a dog, like you're just getting, you're getting connection, long-term connection everywhere except for your sex life. Mm -hmm. But every wedding you brought a different person. I think people would talk shit behind your back. Got it. And And I think you would know that they were talking shit behind your back. And I think that's, uh, and if you brought no one, let's say, so there's one is the, you're having sex with a bunch of different people. Yeah, there's the, and then the solo. Socially acceptable is <laughs> the stag. monogamy. And then the other one is just celibate. Mm-hmm. And at and every wedding, you're bringing no one. I think you'd be peppered by family and friends. How's your dating life? Is it? And then I think you'd get maybe this person's in the closet. Yeah. Oh, surely they can't just be happy being single. Like, what's wrong with them? Oh, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, I think that's, a, that's something that, uh, we all believe and get brainwashed to believe and do not just to fit in, but I think there's a strong, there's a strong sense that you don't fit in if If you're, you're, if you don't have a significant other. Yeah. And there's a small exception, which is like when you're in college or early twenties and you're a guy and then it's actually totally cool and you get lauded for having sex with a bunch of randos. Mm -hmm. But then as you get older, you stop getting lauded for it. So yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure from society to, uh, well, I mean, you said guys, I mean, I I would, I even think it's stronger for women, right. As you get, because, People are not bothering me is the truth, at least in my own weird little family. You have created a very unique I've social created, circle. Is that yes. true? Okay, never yeah. mind then. Well, I, I imagine that women get it stronger at my age of 33. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just saying, I don't think women get lauded for hooking up a bunch in college. Yeah, I was yeah. saying men are the only, men have that one exception. Yeah. Whereas I think women the whole time are shamed for being single and for mm-hmm. hooking up with a bunch of different people. Got it. I yeah. think men are shamed for hooking up with a bunch of people once they hit like their 30s or for being single. Mm-hmm. at any point in time but that in their 20s it's like oh, you get a pass for being yeah not dating yeah um do you have some stuff sure it's completely different than this well i, I have a more if we want to do it this well, is the last one that's semi-related sure i mean you get a good sense for what we read about you read about hate crimes and i read about like random business stuff and oh. random stories <laughs> well so last week uh justin posted something the other day that was uh it had pewdiepie in the title and was like racist gamers and i was like justin take this down this isn't what uh, i mean yeah, yeah. and i had that sense of panic and you know justin is doing exactly what i taught him which is like use the most famous person you could possibly think of and a title that is true but like on the edgy side to to get clicks right so justin's doing exactly what i taught him and i'm going to scale you back <laughs> on this um because we had no we i don't think we mentioned that we thought that that was pewdiepie at all but i had the thought i was like okay if i get canceled and I believe the thing I got canceled for, I can at least stress out about money, but rest easy. You know, I'd be like, you know what? My views are apparently unacceptable yeah, you, to the world. That's not lunch. what's going to happen, though. Well, this is what I was like. You're don't, not for something I don't even believe. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was the feeling that I had. And I realized that that's actually one of my, it's not just that, I, that, that we would uh, be canceled, which is a genuine concern uh, that I think about often. It's that I would be canceled for something that, that is not, actually yeah that's exactly what's gonna happen dude (laughs) what are you talking about well i just hope that that my nuance thoughtful they watch the whole podcast they're gonna cut out 14 seconds yeah out of context and then just put it on every social media platform there is yeah and then you're you know you hate gay people even though you have close gay friends and it's not true and you whatever no that's just your thing now now you're canceled yeah maybe I'm also, Dude, yeah. do you think Kevin Hart actually hates gay people because 12 years ago he made a joke about his son and hitting him with a dollhouse? No, he just got canceled from the Oh, so that, so I didn't watch it at all, but Bill Burr, Emmys, whatever. Uh, I just think it's interesting that the only way, I think these reward shows know it, that they can remain relevant is by picking somebody who's 
like edgy and then having them go piss off a bunch of people and then having that come did, this, on. did Bill Burr just host something Bill Burr was on the Emmys I didn't watch it because I, I was like this is such a fucking trap this is like I caught you this time you guys asked Bill Burr to come on your very woke show and was this recent yes it was five days ago okay. he said some stuff whatever and then there was a backlash mm. and I bet you that clip got more views than the entire Emmys did oh yeah uh, which is also funny that Ricky Gervais is the best at this. That's why they've had him host award shows like nine times. They keep times. having him back. And they keep, keep oh. shitting on everybody. Yeah. He's like, we would love for you to come back yes. again, please. Please, please do this. It reminded me of uh, just the question, why, why do we imbue collectively, and I'm going to stop as best I can personally, these organizations, which I include Ivy League schools, the Grammys, the Emmys, the award shows, Forbes 30 under 30, with any sort of power. Like mm -hmm. these things are stupid. Uh, and, and sure, there's some correlation between people who go to Harvard and being, well, there's a lot between having high IQ, but getting into these places and being accepted by them is such a stupid rubric. And as soon as we collectively withdraw the need to be validated or appreciated mm -hmm. by these sorts of institutions, they die and wither on the vine. Well, yeah, we don't, we don't, I'm not, when I hire a marketing person, I'm not looking for someone with a marketing degree from Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. Just looking for a guy who's done marketing for an organization similar to ours yeah. and has a track record of success. Yeah. I think that that's going to be more and more common. But yeah, I've never, I've never been like, oh, I really like this person, but they went to this, you know, not an Ivy League school. Like, well, can you just show me evidence that you've done this job well? Okay, cool. Did you're any, hired. Did anything good in the past that is related to this? Yeah. I was just reading these, these mothers who are really upset that their kids can't get into these preparatory schools oh, for whatever reason. It's what? like, who cares? What a great transition to one of my <laughs> things. It wasn't going to be my first thing. Let's talk. You ready for a fucked up story? Go for it. Yeah. A Pennsylvania mother allegedly sent deep fake photos and videos of her teenage daughter's cheerleading rivals, uh, depicting them naked, <laughs> drinking, and smoking no. to their coaches and peers in an attempt to get them kicked off the team so that her daughter could be on the cheerleading squad because they beat, they beat out her daughter. What? This was right in our area, by the way. It's just similar. This is in the Hilton Town Township Police Department says this. So, uh, yeah, she anonymously sent messages to the victims urging them to kill themselves after that didn't work. And uh, this is over cheerleading. Yeah. So first she creates deep fakes of the girls naked, wow. smoking, drinking, sends them to coach. They don't get kicked off. So then she sends them to friends. This must have been some pretty lousy deep fakes. Then I she mean, sends them to friends fakes. and then <laughs> says, uh, hey, you should probably kill yourself because everybody thinks you're a slut. Wow. Yeah. So she's probably going to jail. <laughs> so you can uh, you can go to jail for that stuff. I, th I know that there was. Oh this yeah, she's she's being tried. She's on trial, at, which I think is appropriate. I know was, there was that case with the girlfriend who really wanted her boyfriend to commit suicide, and he did you you've heard this or no? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. She she thought that it would get her good attention from people, so and she absolutely brought him there well maybe he was depressed but she he's like no, I don't want, i'm not gonna go through it he's like you have to be brave i love you so much yeah Just be had, brave don't had, come back this time like it was insane he had talked about killing himself in the past but he had always backed down yeah he he had he wanted to live but was depressed and she is texting him saying don't back out you said you were gonna do this yeah. we made a pact that you would do this yeah. don't back out she's just it literally egging this guy on and then he killed himself yeah. and she went to jail which i think is appropriate me too i i, I think that yeah, might as well pull pulled the trigger. I mean, maybe not quite, but there's there's somewhere in between pulling sure. the trigger and uh, sitting at home quietly <laughs> where that person belongs. I just had two takeaways from this. One is deep fakes are just they're just coming, you know, we, and we're exploring the ways that they can be used. They they are coming, and so everyone get used to not being able to believe anything you see or hear. 
And then the second thing was, can you imagine wanting your kid to be on the cheerleading squad that badly? You're like, I'm going to ruin some lives over this. No, I can't. Of course I can't. But this is the thing when you get these, any of these stories, the guy in Atlanta, it's just like, can you imagine what it'd be like? You're like, no, these, like this is, this is brain chemistry and a life history that is so different than mine. I could barely imagine what it's like to be the person down the hall, let alone. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. It's crazy, care, right? To care about cheerleading. No offense, but I just don't like, so my when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kid didn't care enough to take some some 15 year old girls or 17 year old girls, take their faces, put them on other naked bodies, send them to the coach. It's it's, shit's crazy. Yeah, man, I guess if I I, the the one thing that I can sort of imagine is if if I ever had a kid being defensive and protective and frustrated at. This this I imagine has to be frustrating to have a kid that is whatever smaller or picked on for whatever reason and know that technically you could just. You could beat up all those other kids, but yeah, yeah. you're not allowed to. <laughs> and so like the appropriate level of intervention, also knowing that you can make things worse by being like, hey, everyone go away. Don't pick on him. Like <laughs> that could just screw everything up. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be such a difficult position to be in, to to know that you could just ruin these kids, but you're not physically allowed to. <laughs> I sure. feel like that would be frustrating. Oh, yeah. I, can't. I, I do not envy parents. Yeah. Doesn't not, not something I want. What else you got? You want to talk about how businesses are amazing and then when they get big, they suck? Let's talk about that. Netflix is testing a crackdown on password sharing. Ah. So after years of letting people get away with not paying for their accounts, Netflix basically got you know bigger and bigger and bigger. And then once they stopped growing so much, they went, how do we squeeze as much money as possible yeah. out of the people that watch our stuff? And so we've talked about this before. The way they got big was by saying, we just want people to watch our stuff. We don't care if you share with stuff outside your household, blah, blah, blah. And now they're going, no, we're going to try to squeeze every dollar we can out of you. And I wouldn't be surprised if down the road there's Netflix and then Netflix premium where their best stuff is behind a higher paywall or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting because you see it a lot in businesses. What what they do to grow is be amazing and then just become crappy, shitty. I don't think I have to convince <laughs> you of this, but it is interesting that there's still people that that think that uh, unbridled capitalism is great. And it's like so obvious that this is what companies do is in order to get big, they behave in a certain way. They, and this isn't Netflix, but they attempt to gain monopoly power. Netflix Mm -hmm. certainly attempted, but was unable to, but let's assume that they do. And and upon achieving monopoly power, they start to suck Mm -hmm. and crowd out every applicant and purchase and buy them immediately. Well, luckily if, monopoly laws are enforced 
someone better. Someone will, it's, it's just the circle of life. Now mm-hmm. someone will come in who's focused on user experience yeah, yeah. and Netflix is focused on dollar per user. And the guy who's focused on user experience is going to steal market share from Netflix. And so then there'll be another, this is the only reason Amazon's the biggest company in the world is because they just kept focusing on user experience <laughs> the whole time. So I do think it's the circle of life where Netflix will now see cash flow go up for a couple of years and then yeah. get beaten by someone who's more focused yeah. on. Oh, Amazon could have gone, okay, we've got the market now. Let's gouge them on shipping. And instead mm-hmm. they're like, let's do shipping for free. Let's you know do, what I mean? How like, about two hour shipping? Yeah, yeah. Let's, and, and they're doing things that no one is immediately pressuring them to do. Mm-hmm. Like no one's being like, hey, you guys got to get it there in two hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you really have to? <laughs> next day is unacceptable. Yeah, next day, next day is unacceptable. The market's going to, is pressuring you to do this sorts of thing. Yeah, versus, it's like when was the last time Netflix made an interesting new tentpole series? Well, this is why I think Here, Netflix, the Witcher. Netflix it, will have to pivot or they're on their way out. That's what I see. Cause oh, I, I agree. Yeah. I'm not a business expert, but I've uh, just looking at their catalog of now reality TV shows, which again, like they're good for a period of time and when you're really bored, but nobody's going to stick with your platform for reality TV. They stick for it with it for Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Stranger Things, that the show that they have to see the next season of. Well, this was, and so Disney Plus is a big company, but they're new to the streaming world. So they're still in the seduce everyone phase yeah they disney has content coming out every weekend for 2021 Mm -hmm. they're just going okay we're going to make new original stuff with marvel characters that we know people love and we'll make it so they can't cancel how are we going to do that we're not going to lock them into a contract we're going to make sure that every single weekend something new is coming out Mm -hmm. and i'm sure at some point they'll switch into trying to make more dollars per user instead of getting new users but they're just in that phase right now it's just interesting to watch the it's just the business cycle we have to be aware of. And it's just interesting to see because you see it over and over again. You got to do it. I mean, this is the other thing. Again, to the degree, the first question with everything is what is your goal? You know, if your goal is to have a successful business, I'm not even sure that that's my goal anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. so let's assuming that well, our goal has always been lifestyle, actually. Yes. People get confused by that when they're, oh, you guys could just, why don't you just do this? Mm, sounds like be very time consuming. <laughs> yeah, but assuming that we, it's it's a good reminder, assuming that we do care and there's a happy medium of, long-term successful business lifestyle. I think of the difference between Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. right? Which is just like, oh, DC, J- Justice League, Batman, Superman, like put them together and squeeze Wonder Woman in there and then let's get the Flash in there as well versus what they did meticulously just over the course of 10 years, start with one good movie, make another good movie. It's not until five or six movies in there, they're thinking now five more years down the line when Thanos is going to yeah. show up. They tease him in what? Guardians of the Galaxy 1? Right. And, and then build these stones into the story. And well, this is the big, this is the big mistake that I see from a lot of uh, viewers and listeners who talk about starting a business and they, they talk about, oh, I want to be a vlogger because it, it looks like fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, think of the user. Like, why would someone want to watch your vlog? What are you doing that's so uniquely special or different? How are you adding value? But just that's that's not the mindset that a lot of people have when they start a business. Mm-hmm. It's not value oriented to other people. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be right. There's a happy medium between like, what do I want to do all the time of my own accord? And where does that match up with things that other people find valuable? Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Oh, we, we mentioned that we have this marketing step by step thing. And we I think we mentioned it last week. If you are interested in a business, we, we, we you and I will eventually work this out. We need to make a one stop page. She's like, so you want to make a business? Yeah. Start here for our work week. Here's, you know, 
three sentences about it, then go here, marketing step-by-step, then go here, all in, it's going to be, if you purchase everything, it'll be like $120, but quite frankly, it starts with a $9 book, and if you can't finish that, don't waste your time. This is the other thing I tell people, like, so many people ask me, what should I do, what should I do? I say, go read the four-hour work week, and really, that's just a test, because if you won't buy it, open it, and finish it. You're never going to start a business. You know, if you never come back to me for round two, then you're done, but what's interesting is that People who come back for, I read it, very high success rate at mm. that point. It like jumps to like 30% after it, it, it was at like 0.1% before of people who mention I'd like to have a business. And then if you go through marketing step by step and you stick with it for two years, you're at like 75% success. Oh, yeah. You've got your own business at this sure. point. Uh, it, is, it is fascinating how steep <laughs> those drop off curves are, man. Fucking wild. I got one more thing, and then we'll go to uh, comments, audience questions. Cool. You see Elon Musk selling a song about NFTs as an NFT? No. You didn't see this? No. Elon Musk released a song. It's about NFTs. The lyrics, it literally just says NFTs for a while to electronic music, but then the lyric is NFT for your vanity. Computers never sleep. It's verified. It's guaranteed. And he's selling it as an NFT. And I thought that the... uh, Is he singing it? No, no. He just (laughs) produces music. You didn't know this? He made a Harambe rap in 2019? I had no idea. What? Come on. This dude's a, he's a music producer. I had no idea. You yeah. only know this because you did a video. Yeah, that's true. You learned this two weeks. You learned this two weeks. <laughs> Come on, ago. you don't know this? <laughs> I've known this for days. But I think it's interesting. It's NFT for your vanity. Seems like Elon Musk is not a fan. I would say he actually probably is a fan of NFT technology, but is not a fan of the tulip mania. He gets it. He's trolling. Yes. He's 100%. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. Elon's coming out. He's kind of said what I think which is obviously why i like it because there's confirmation bias which is this is a useful technology but we're in a craze right now and it's a bubble and he's i just think it's a funny way for him to play it out by releasing an nft about nfts where the lyric is this nfts for your vanity i was like ah yeah that's well done elon yeah i generally don't like nfts but that tongue-in-cheek this is dumb gets gets a thumbs up for me no it's a good technology it's great technology by the way sorry i said i said i don't like nfts i don't like the tulip mania nfts everything is valuable I like, I think it's a, it's got useful applications, which will persist into the future. Yeah. And a lot of people will lose money right now because they'll just get caught up in the, the craze. Yeah. It's funny. It's kind of like Bitcoin. There's people who got in at 500 and then just dollar cost averaged every year they bought mm-hmm. as Bitcoin went up a little bit. And then there's people that bought Bitcoin at 18,000 and then sold it at 6,000 and now it's at 60,000. And that's, I think that's what's happening with NFTs. So there's a lot of people that aren't in it for conviction about the technology and aren't nuanced about, okay, where is this actually a useful application of the technology? And they're the people buying Bitcoin at 18 grand that are going to sell it at six grand. Yeah. Basically that's, that's all I see. And then someone is going to buy at 18 grand and hold till 60, but that's a multi-year process. And what I've learned from investing is you need conviction to hold that long, especially when something falls by two thirds and when you get in without much research, when you just buy in because you're hearing about it from your friends or from the news, you don't have the stomach for that. So as soon as it drops, you just sell. Where I have a question. Where does real estate fall into this? Because I was looking because, you know, we talked about we live in an area that is it's fine, but mm-hmm. it's it's sort of deteriorated over the last little while. And I was looking at houses in California and they're ridiculously expensive. Well, I think I told you my friend said not to buy any real estate until at least the middle of this year. He said he thinks we're in a bubble because what happened was people were getting 
government money so they could pay their mortgage, yeah. even if they couldn't afford their house necessarily. But the buying demand was still there because some businesses that are online businesses did well. And mm-hmm. so, cause I was looking at, oh yeah, maybe we should buy a place. We were thinking about moving to a different place outside of California where real estate's cheaper. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just buy instead of rent. He's just one guy, but he said, I wouldn't do that right now. I would just wait. And here's the thing. If you're not in a massive rush, there will be a crash and you'll know that it's crashing. You but won't, does, you won't have to ask. Crash? I don't yes. understand this stuff. They do? Yeah. There, uh, dude, there was a horrific crash in like 2009. Got it. Got it. And so people were underwater on their things. You got houses for cheap in 2009, 2010. Well, this is the other thought is like, yeah, how does, how does one value a home? It's like, well, I get to live here, which is nice, you know, and I'm not buying it as a rental property. I don't know. We can talk more offline because I'm going to just sound stupid in my questions. Speaking of owning versus renting, Mm -hmm. everybody, I know there's a lot of concern for the people who watch the YouTube videos. The crack behind Charlie is getting fixed. So we we rent. Yeah, there was an earthquake. I rent. I don't buy. That's from the earthquake. There's a massive crack in the wall. People write every day. They say, I love your show. The crack in the wall makes me want to drag my hair out of my head. Oh, wow. It's getting fixed. I saw one too many podcast comments about it. So I reported it to the person that owns the apartment. And we are getting the earthquake crack how do you, repaired. You, how do you know it's an earthquake? I woke up after an earthquake and it, there was a crack in the wall. Oh, no kidding, man. Yeah. Oh, that thing's been around for a year and a half. That's mildly terrifying. It's getting bigger. That's the mildly terrifying part. Great. It started as a small crack and then it's just slow. Now that it's cracked, it's just slowly growing. Part yeah. of the reason I didn't want to go to the other place that we were going to, we're on, I'm on the fourth floor. You're on the fifth floor of our current building. And it's like, it's high, but I feel like if it collapsed, like maybe the structure could like I could have an air pocket yeah, or like, something, uh, or I could get out. In like time. an Avengers Endgame, when the we entire like, thing collapses yeah. on them, but nobody gets hurt. And the Hulk pushes it up. So we looked at another place that was like floor nine and floor 13, and it goes up to floor whatever, 26. I was like, no, man, this is going to crush me during the next earthquake. Like, yeah. I, I felt way less comfortable in that place than I do in this one. And even then, I'd like I'd like a single story, like ranch. A rancher home? Yeah. Because yeah. I, felt, I felt them, man. They're, they're no joke out here. Oh, for sure. Wake you out of your sleep. Yeah. No, for I mean that's but but that's one of the reasons I like renting actually, it's because oh you want to hear it? this is just an anecdote we can cut this or not depending on if you think it's interesting but our friend owns a house and uh, rents it to people mm-hmm. those people got COVID in Mexico they are supposed to quarantine they're not supposed to fly they didn't want to do that so instead they uh, photoshopped their COVID test results to be negative so they could get on the airplane with COVID so somebody you know I don't know the people that did this. I know their landlord. Got it. And he he like was getting updates on. They're like, oh, we might stay in Mexico. Oh, we're gonna come. So they so they fabricate their documents to come over, and then land. And he's like, okay, I bought you a hotel, so that you can go quarantine because I don't want you coming here. Especially, I'm I'm doing improvements to the property. There's workers here. I don't want you to get me sick or other people sick. And these people who had already they were so entitled they already put the entire flight at risk for COVID. Wrote him like a long letter about how hurt and unprofessional and disappointing it was that they were just looking forward to coming home after their vacation and now they can't be home and they have to they work were from looking, a hotel. the most entitled thing i'd ever heard it's wild and i was like okay uh that's another thing because when i was doing math on buying something oh you, do, you were thinking renting oh God. you go oh i buy the property that's the cost of the property then i get the rent that's the cost yeah. of the that's the income and then you do that I'm against not, the debt no and oh yeah one of the downsides of having a tenant is you have to fucking have a tenant. And when shit breaks, they call you and they suck and they throw parties or they come home with COVID illegally or whatever it is. And so that was a good, I was like, oh, 
maybe I'm better off buying a real estate ETF yeah. and just not having to deal with this. And he I, paid out of pocket for their hotel, which yeah. I said that was even nicer than I think you should have just said, get out. You already broke the law once. Just go get a hotel. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't know. You just remind me of something. We can go to questions in a minute. But I already I said I poo pooed capitalism a moment ago, but then I saw something. God. I guess this is just the, the the world which lacks nuance, but he's apparently one of the more prominent socialists. He's done debates with Valuetainment and people on YouTube, and he just had this five-minute video that said that, um, you know, capitalism is by definition exploitation, that the example he gives is if you're at like a, some sort of a cooking place and the capitalist puts down $1,000 worth of ingredients and then it's sold for $3,000 and you're the chef, that $2,000 is your value add. And I was just like, and therefore, if the capitalist gets any of it, they're stealing from you. And it's just like, okay, so a handful of things. One, you're not accounting for risk, which maybe you don't like. Two, you're not accounting for processes or marketing or any other thing that they like. Yeah, yeah, how did the people get into the restaurant? But even if we're just, again, so these are all things oh, that the owner could do that aren't direct. But okay, let's assume that he includes that under management. Then it's like, wait a second. So every person who works as a police officer and then puts money into a retirement fund that owns a piece of IBM is a thieving capitalist in this behavioral act. Like it just seemed so caricatured. Yeah. Like the idea that, that you could work hard, accumulate a surplus of resources, then dedicate that extra resource towards uh, creating more value and have the resource work for you, that's theft in definition. And I go, okay, if you if you got to be Lord of the world, what I would do is fire everyone who worked for me and find a way to automate my business mm -hmm. just so that I, you know what I mean? Because apparently any extra money does not belong to me at this point. Yeah. Uh, I would not create, I would not add value personally because I'm not going to get to keep it as the capitalist. I would not try to s intelligently allocate. Like it would just screw up so many things. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 people have talked about this in terms of democracy. Jordan Peterson has said this in a lot in terms of traditional institutions, but it, capitalism does, and especially what we have in the U S which is actually socialism and capitalism combined. It doesn't have to be perfect for it to be the best system. That's an option for us which is to say, yeah, maybe there are things that we can do to improve this, but to just remove it entirely and switch to this other thing is going to have so many problems that people can't anticipate. Mm -hmm. And I, I think they just, they don't think about the downstream consequences. It seemed very obvious to me that this guy spent his entire life in academia, yeah. getting a paycheck uh, regardless of his output. You know what I mean? It was, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this guy uh, has run businesses and maybe he's talking about it a version of capitalism, but I like the idea that, um, yeah, it's like you're not allowed in, in this person's government to accumulate a surplus of stuff and then dedicate that surplus towards something. You, I, you just have to spend it on immediate consumption or burn it, which is weird. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't seem like what we want to encourage. So now I do a ton of extra work. I get extra dollars. I get that $2,000 from being the chef but I can't put it towards Well, there'd just be no, anything. everything would be worse is the truth. There'd just be no employees. So you'd have a business owner who was business savvy, who couldn't cook, but was his own chef. Because why would he buy a thousand dollars of ingredients? And then the maximum he could get. Yeah. No, but think about this. He spends a thousand dollars on ingredients, makes three grand, gets 1000 back and the chef gets two grand. He's made no money. 
well, I'm not going to fucking do this. I'm not, why would I put my money at risk here? Well, maybe he makes a salary for being a manager that is carved out, but it's like, you know what? Here's what I'm saying. He's going to try to be his own chef and the chef is going to try to be his own entrepreneur. Yeah. And not every chef can start a business, even if they're an amazing chef. And certainly not every business owner is going to be a good chef. And what you're going to end up with is a lot of shitty restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> you're either going to get great food in a bad location with a shitty design and you probably will never hear of it because the guy's not a good marketer mm-hmm. or you're going to get a really nice looking restaurant and the food's going to get cooked by someone who doesn't know how to cook. Yeah. What's That's, wild is that we could run our, and I, I don't want to, we could run our business with almost nobody working for it. We could shut down uh, email responses. We could do like just do videos and have, yeah, just be worse for everyone that was just be involved worse for everyone that was involved <laughs> and go, okay, we're going to survive and, and maximize our own personal take home in this new world where, where any, anything an employee does that doesn't capture the value is theft. So no employees <laughs> and just get, uh, have a business that is 75% the size of our current one, but you and I are the only two people and it's just worse for people who ask questions or whatever. It's, it seems so silly and what you would immediately have are people starting to work on ai and robots Mm -hmm. to replace every human as fast as they could because why would you ever want to have that deal where your chef is making all of the surplus uh and so again i i'm sound like i'm a crazy capitalist i I believe strongly that we have a out of whack unequal system that needs redistribution from a centralized organization but just some of the arguments that i hear are uh, I suppose I I don't even know if they believe it. Like it's such a caricature of of itself at some point. So that was just one random video that I watched on a guy that I see on YouTube. Any event, let's hop into questions. Cool. First one is for Ben, and they ask, "What YouTube videos slash channels do you watch for jujitsu? Want to learn while I'm still in quarantine?" Oh, interesting. So the number one thing I could recommend is Gracie University. It's not a YouTube video. It's a paid program, but it is the absolute fastest way to get really good at jujitsu. I mean, I, I do not exaggerate when I say you do it for three months and you'll be beating people who've been training for a year. You do it consistently every day for six months. You'll be beating people who have trained jujitsu for two years. I, I had trained in MMA. I had done a fight like, like in a casino in front of people, an actual MMA fight. And after years of training, I picked that program up and in six months it tripled my skill in jujitsu yeah. to the point where I was tapping out purple belts. Dude, we weren't even doing it that much back. We were going once every three or four days for 20 minutes. Cause it yeah. is, it is a little tricky. You need the, you don't need, they say you don't, and you can go through the things, but you really do need a partner. It's yeah. But like, there's, that's true of YouTube videos as well. If yeah, this yeah. person's, so the downside of Grace University, which is that you will struggle to do it on your own you will have in any jujitsu program. So I think it's tied with YouTube videos for that. So you you need one buddy regardless, probably. You need a buddy and you preferably need a place where you can uh, watch the video on a mat. So like you watch the video, you get the knowledge in your head, then you go to the mat and you want the video nearby Mm -hmm. to to spot check stuff. I did this with Ben. I didn't get as good. I didn't do it as much, but I could tap blue belts and I barely fucking was doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was insane this oh and i didn't thing. tap before i got grace university i didn't tap out anyone yeah. my mma was gorilla mma mm-hmm. i was doing wrestling take them down ground and pound so once i stopped doing mma and went to jujitsu i would get top position and have yeah, no yeah. idea what to do and i wouldn't tap anybody yeah and then i got this and i was tapping purple belts yep so it's it, the sequencing it's just incredible I'll, I'll for one moment the reason that this works is because if you pop into any jujitsu class or like today's 
Omoplatas. You're like, <laughs> it's my first day. They're like, cool, go to the side with this instructor and he's going to teach you for 15 minutes, you know, to make you feel comfortable here. Uh, there's just no way to, honestly, the fact, the in-person nature of it breaks it. It just makes it worse because it's like, look, we've got all these different people. There are different places. We can't go back and show you how, what a mount is. Mm-hmm. But Gracie Jiu-Jitsu just goes, it's your day one. We're going to work from the mount. And they, like, I don't care when you start, this is where you're going. And then you're going to learn the Americana. Then you're going to learn the, the Kimura. Then you're going to learn. Well, and it sequences it. So normally with jujitsu, and actually I will say Extreme Couture, where I used to train, has started doing this in jujitsu. Well, they'll, they'll have like a week or a month with a theme because what you want to learn is how to chain things together. So it's what you learn in, in Gracie University is, okay, I have them in my guard. How do I set up an arm bar? Mm-hmm. Okay, now just so you know, here's the number one most common escape from that arm bar here's how you turn that escape into a triangle choke. Yeah. Okay, now here's the number one way to escape that triangle choke. Here's how you turn that escape back into an arm bar. So you look like a savant because you're yeah, yeah. you're predicting this person's movements and you're cutting them off at the pass. And so you're going arm bar, triangle, arm bar transitions smoothly and tapping them. But it's just because you're doing exactly what the program showed you to do. Yeah. And so what a lot of people do is they go, I know how to do an arm bar and they go for the arm bar. And then if you set up the defense, they get confused and they kind of short circuit for a split second while they try to figure out what to do. And now you've escaped and now you're inside control. So yeah, that's, that's why I think Grace University is the just sequencing, the is, down the sequencing the is fantastic. So check it out. Next is, Hey, Charlie and Ben love the podcast and often tell people to listen to you guys for wisdom. Nice. I wonder if your view of Iraq would change if you knew about the atrocities carried out by Saddam Hussein to their own citizens and hostilities with peaceful neighboring countries. I would be very interested in a discussion from you two on the morality of and ethics of policing the world's evils. Is the United States imposing their subjective morality on the world? And if the United States stopped these actions, would the world look at the evil and say somebody should do something without anyone taking action? Thanks for the content. So first question, would my views change? Very potentially. Well, I, I I don't think the complaint with George Bush is that Iraq should have been left to do whatever it wanted with Saddam Hussein unchecked. No. It's that we were lied to. Yes. So it's that you, that instead of saying what you said, which is, hey, there's a dictator in the Middle East doing atrocities. Here are the atrocities. I think that we should go put ourselves intervene. At, in. Yeah. I think we should intervene. We were made to believe there were weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. but there was no intel. As far as I know, there was no intel that that was the case. No, in fact, the UN Hans Blix came in and said, this is definitely not the case. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we said, we know, we know. And then there wasn't. So that's at least my big gripe was we didn't say that's why we were doing it. We said we were doing it for WMDs. Then we got in there and then we retconned why we went in there. And and people started to say that reason. But I think that that's, you deceived the American populace to get into a war. And who knows what your true motives were? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was oil. Maybe it was your big golden heart. But you lied. And so that's my biggest gripe, at least with how George Bush got into that second Iraq war was you didn't say it was because we were going to help those people because he was being mean to his neighbors. Yes. You said it was because there was a global threat that wasn't true. And you said it because you cared more about invading Iraq than letting the populace actually decide how they felt about your, your real motives. Yeah. And, okay, so then you go, oh, no, it was a good thing to do. Then you go, okay, great. We, the U.S. wants to do some charity. Fantastic. Let's run it through the ROI spreadsheet, sure. right? Let's, Which is, for people to don't <laughs> let's figure out where we can do the greatest good. The greatest good. So we're willing to spend $2 trillion and about, you know, 100,000 Iraqi lives, if not more, and several thousand servicemen from all over the world. How many lives can we save? It is 
Absolutely not by invading Iraq. Now, it's probably not an invasion anywhere. It's probably... You're uh, saying with the same budget and manpower? Malaria nets, you know, it's probably uh, contraceptives, it's probably clean water. Like, you could have saved for the trillions of dollars that we have spent. Oh, my God. You could have made the world a tremendously better place. And it's very obvious that that wasn't what people wanted to do because they never ran that calculation. That wasn't... they. They had other motives which led to Iraq as the as the actual choice. Now you go, was it net a good thing? Only you have to compare it to the other world. It's like we spent all of this money and got, what, some return in that Saddam Hussein isn't doing horrible things. But I do believe it's, some, it's over 100,000 Iraqi civilians were killed in the violence surrounding that. Was Saddam Hussein going to kill 100,000? I don't even, and this is where I mean I don't know, I'm not even sure that Iraq is better off net with the intervention, given how many, how much violence there was in the subsequent years, um, and what Saddam Hussein might have done in the... It could be, though. I mean, it's truly an I don't know. It's truly truly an I don't know. know. But what I do know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that given the budget of lives and money that the U.S. spent on Iraq, that they could have, we could have done so much more good in the world. Um, and in terms of what do I think of the U.S. being the world's cop, I think that's not what we are. We're not the world's cop. Um, that is, you know, we argue whether we should be the world cop, but we've actually missed the true argument, which is we're, we're a self-interested actor that is acting on a confluence of personal motives and corporate motivations and uh, natural resources. But And the reason you say that is because we allow we atrocities. Look, we don't, dude, nobody suggested that we should go to the Congo where there's been a war for 20 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just wanna, I'm just trying to spell it out. You're saying, have, when you say we're not the world's cop, you don't mean just because we haven't been elected. You're saying we're not doing a great job. No, if no, the we goal don't, is, we're not even trying. Yeah. We're not even trying. We haven't even assessed where the greatest amount of violence is occurring in the world that could be stopped at the easiest with the least amount of resources. Uh, we talk about these places and then they are abstracted from the rest of the world, made to be the sole place of evil. And then we go, oh, well, we're the cop because we're going in. But that's, um, that would be like if a cop, and this is what people say is happening, showed up at one person's house because they had their own selfish motivations, um, you know, said that the husband was an abuser, found that he wasn't, shot him anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And said, well, he did was doing other bad stuff instead. That's, that's um, not a police officer. That's, that is a self-interested entity. And so I don't think that we are uh, being world cops. And I think it's anyone who would argue that that's our motive, I would just ask, like, why not Congo? Why not here? Why not malaria nets? Malaria nets? Why not any of this? Why trillions of dollars on these particular places? Uh, and I don't, I've never heard a good answer to that. So that's what I think. And would anybody step up? Uh, only insofar as it affected their interests. Like China's going to go be the world cop for Taiwan, but probably not, you know, <laughs> and, they're, and they're buying up, what is it, the Belt and Road Initiative. They're lending a ton of money to Africa so that they can own it, which is not anything new. <laughs> that, we've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, would and that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that all the soldiers that went to Iraq are bad people by any means. It's just saying that no, it was no, an ill-advised war. It just means that, that the U.S. is not, uh, it's not, quality like it might be quantitatively different and i do believe well i don't even know you can make the argument either way it's not like we're the first uh benevolent empire that has ever existed uh, every empire from the romans they insisted that they were civilizing the barbarians that they were spreading christianity everyone tells themselves that they're doing good things and and you have to realize the people believe it just like 
most Americans do. This isn't to say that America is a uniquely evil force. It's to say that we're this, probably the same degree of self-interested as anyone that Every has been throughout that has come, history. Yeah. I think that's probably a fair guess. We're, we're, why not? We're, we're people like any other. Like that, that somehow the Enlightenment values have made us better, yet we haven't dealt with malaria and clean water. I just don't, I just don't see that. Um, now, it's possible that we're less violent because of our circumstances in an interconnected world. I, I would potentially believe that. But uh, And Cold War type. Yeah, yeah. Just and general sense that you can't. Mutually assured destruction. Mutually assured destruction, yeah. So that's, that's my large-scale political view. I used to think that America was an evil empire, and then I realized we're just an empire <laughs> like, like all the others. And if you took an underdog and put them on top, they do the same type of self-interested yeah. stuff. And I used to think we were a good empire i was, oh, that was, I was all about one. i was all yeah. about america like yeah whatever you think about america growing up that's good that's what i thought mm-hmm. and uh yeah that, to me it just seems clear that there's there somehow there's other motivations because you don't see the u.s taking the action you'd expect if the number one question was how do we make the world a better place yeah that's just not what our foreign intervention looks like to me yeah and it only works because and this is the thing is the news and your which is your um the funnel by which you understand the global context can just convince you like can you name how many countries are there how many of them can you name <laughs> you know could you how many of them could you place on a map like you could probably point to where iraq is how many wars decently. are happening right now yeah how many wars are happening right now how many what violent is, conflicts will happen in the next week what's the number one global cause of death and suffering we don't even know these types of mm-hmm. the answers to these questions what's not just what's the number one what's the number one easiest to solve on a dollar value yeah, I, I think I know that it's malaria, at least from a person to donate, but from a country to solve a problem? Christ, I, I mean, that's that's a level of resources that I am not even putting my analysis on because I know I'll never get to do we, influence it. Do we even have, and I don't, I'm not saying we should, but you would if you were, if you thought your goal was make the world a better place, you'd have a make the world a better place budget. Do we have like $500 million that the U.S. spends every year to try to make the world a better place? The Department of Defense. Okay. So, so I guess what I'm saying is you, if we don't have a budget set aside for it, then it's hard to believe it's our goal. Some people will say it's a uh, foreign aid, but if you look at foreign aid, again, it doesn't go to the countries that need it the most. It goes to strategic allies. A ton of it goes to Israel who does not need it nearly as much as the Congo does. It bro. just, <laughs> they just don't. Bro. Bro. It's <laughs> another thing that you are like, Israel. <laughs> bro. I don't actually know enough about it to fight you on this, but yeah. I can say bro enough that bro. I can cut you off. <laughs> um, yeah. If you just, if you look at the world and go, how did, what, what best describes this? A, a benevolent thing that just got confused about where to send its money and where the need is or something else. Something else is what yeah. makes a ton of sense. If you look at it without the, the propaganda, in my opinion. You know, a country has the most Nobel prizes per capita. Israel. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right, bro. <laughs> I think it's funny that you feel, we've talked about this, that you feel, that you feel probably, you do feel a bit connected to Israel, right? I'm mostly trolling you. Do you feel any? I don't know enough about it, is the truth. So do I feel connected to it? If I told you that Israel was being invaded or, and uh, had gotten crushed and that Yemen was being invaded and I'd be crushed. sad. I'd be more sad about Israel. Yeah, I, to me, that's, again, that's wild. Bro, I me. went there for six weeks. <laughs> no, it wasn't because you went there. No. If I told you that Costa Rica was invaded, you wouldn't give a shit. I think this is the power of identity. And you're a person that is well, pretty disconnected from identity. But I'd that, be sad about Costa Rica because of the surf. But if you pick a different place. Okay. I won't say who because I'll get in trouble. But What about Brazil? You, have, you were in Brazil longer. 
Would you be sadder if Israel was wiped off the map by a neighbor or if Brazil was wiped off the map oh, by a neighbor? For sure. Yeah. I think that to me is a foible of human identity. Also Costa Rica. I'd be sadder about than Brazil. I feel like Brazil could use some new governing, honestly. <laughs> what, like same land, same people, no one gets hurt, but there's just a shifting government. Yeah. That might not be so bad. Yeah. Well, well a uh, new ruling class. Well, I mean, that could be the case in Israel as well. Nobody gets hurt, right? No, no, shifting that made me sad, dude. Shifting. I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyways, what's the next question? Next is my closest friend from high school and I have been watching the podcast for about a year now and we absolutely love it. She and I were hoping to start a podcast of our own. Our aim is not to be the next Joe Rogan or call her daddy, but a little like this podcast, um, which is to have a smaller, more intimate platform to air our conversations. The biggest roadblock is simply we know jack shit about the technicalities of starting a podcast. We have Google Docs and spreadsheets galore of episode ideas and breakdowns, but as for filming, editing, and tech logistics, consider us podcast virgins. This is my needlessly long-winded way of asking if you have any advice for us in terms of organization slash how you got started slash any major do's and don'ts when it comes to starting a podcast. Thanks so much. So we had a budget, and so we went, typed in Joe Rogan podcast and bought, you've seen these mics on every podcast. This is, I'm, that page has probably sold thousands of oh, phones. Oh, yeah, for man. sure. Um, but you don't need to do that. Like if you, you, we have, these cameras are what? Like how much money? I don't know, man. I don't know. $700. What do they call it? What's the type of camera? Well, we can just read off what we have. We have Shuri microphones. I think they're called S H U R E. Canon, Canon Vixia HF G fifties. There you go. You don't need those. You don't need those at all. Uh, what you, what I would recommend doing is using your phone, get a gorilla pod, which is just a little phone, uh, stand that'll hold your phone or any kind of thing. You could probably rig it up using headphones of some sort that have a microphone on it. You probably have all of the equipment you need if you have Apple equipment to shoot your first podcast. Uh, I wouldn't live stream it because that's that's a level of tech that becomes very complicated. But set up a camera, set up two microphones. At the beginning of it, this is literally what we do. We do a clap because that in the waveform of the audio makes this big spike in the waveform if you look at it. And so what happens is we actually have, like, you'll be recording your audio into a phone or something. And this will be recording video over here. And then so what you do is you get... You have to sync your audio and your video. Exactly. So you get... What, what program do you use, Justin, to sync? Um, I just do it manually in Adobe Premiere. But you Adobe can Premiere. Use, but you, yeah, could you, use use iMovie, you could use iMovie. You could use iMovie. Easily you could use iMovie, which is, which is on board. And then you're just going to look for that big spike... You grab the, the audio from this microphone, the audio from that microphone, drag them to the same spot as the video, and now I'm speaking at the, close to the same thing. And every now and then we get it off by a tenth of a second, and yeah, it's yeah. really ridiculous. But that's that's all that I would do to start. You don't need our setup. You don't even need good lights. Um, the act of executing on it is going to teach you so much more than prepping. So my number one piece of advice to you is commit to shooting before the week is out, even if it sucks. And you don't have to post it. You just have to like go through the act of shooting it and you're gonna learn so much. Question, would you recommend that a high school person start a podcast? I would recommend that you pursue your passion and and probably you won't stick with it and that's totally fine. But the skills, this is the thing. I predict that you don't stick with it, that it becomes a headache, that you don't wanna do it. And that's great, but you will learn how to sync audio. You know what I mean? You'll learn like, oh shit, that lighting is horrible. You'll learn a little bit about backgrounds after your 10th thing when you're like, man, that that the backlight doesn't work. So all of this stuff does not need to be known up front. What you need to do up front is commit to trying to get it filmed. 
And I think that the skills that you will learn from that will be uh, manifold. You'll catch how many times you say um and uh. You'll start working on that. And you'll develop a lot of skills that will probably outlive your this first podcast is my guess. Interesting. You, would you not? I feel like the podcast space is really crowded. I Well, there, I guess we're viewing it differently. I'm not saying that they're necessarily, like they said, going to be super successful. But if you're, you're going to learn a lot from the process. And they said they wanted a small audience, right? Which is... Yeah, you're just also going on record with ideas that you may not like that will be there forever in a society that is more than willing to go back in time and cancel you for yeah. things that you say publicly. So would your net advice be not to do it? I don't know, man. But if a friend of mine was like, I want to be an... It depends. I guess it's, do you have some passion for talk shows or do you want to be an entrepreneur? If someone read the four-hour work week and was like, hey, I want to start a business and I want it to be a podcast, I would say that I would not do this. I think your chance of success is low. I think your downside is high. Mm -hmm. uh, this, yeah, this could get you some negative stuff coming your way in your life. And I actually don't know that there is much chance of it even being able to support a modest lifestyle relative to starting a different business where you get the same yeah. ability to learn skills even if it fails. Like that's not unique to podcasts. So it would depend. But if my sister had a high school aged child and that child was interested in entrepreneurship, I would dissuade them from making a podcast. I totally agree. If you come to me and you say, I want to start a business that earns money uh, and you're like, my idea is a podcast. I'd be like, try again. Or even a lifestyle <laughs> business. I want to do something I enjoy yeah. that makes three grand a month so I can go live on the beach in Brazil. I go, cool. Try, don't do a podcast. Yeah. But, but if you're like, no, I really want to do a podcast, I'd be like, do a podcast <laughs> then in that, in that case. Sure. Also, you're so young. You're going to like, well, that's the thing. I don't think I realized when I was 17, how much my opinions would change and how certain I was at the time and how differently I feel today. Yeah. And so just being on record with that every step of the way, I might, think might've been a detriment. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm, I, I'm coming to that thought, which is you almost want to shield you want to shield kids from some of the consequences of their behavior. And in this new world that we live in, you almost want to do yourself the favor of not going on record with anything until you're 25, at least. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You're 16. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even mean, oh, when I was 16, I would have said. I mean, but every 16-year-old is on record having said everything at this point. They're all on TikTok. They've all recorded themselves. So do you oh, really but I'm think not, Sorry, I'm not saying that I think you're going to you'd go back and find that someone was uh, saying a slur against gay people. Now I'm saying this person might be super capitalist or super socialist or whatever, and they might just talk about their beliefs and then come to have different beliefs and then run for office and not be able to be a senator or whatever it might be, or not be able to get a job at a movie theater because they had a certain, like, I I, to work I'm it. more optimistic about the future than that. I understand what you're saying. We today, at least... Do not express empathy to people who have gone on record. We treat them like a unique subclass of people. Yeah. And we say, oh, we've all said this privately. But the fact that they said this publicly makes them a monster. Yeah. Or sometimes we don't even have the empathy to remember, oh, yeah, when I was 16, I did that exact same thing. We just look at ourselves at 40 and go, I would never do that now. That's a bad 16-year-old. That's a bad human. It's like, dude, you were doing this exact same shit 24 years ago. And so that's, that's the reason it's, it's not that I think it'd be a, a waste of time or that I think it wouldn't make money, but I do, I think it's, you're just going to, okay, you're going to open yourself to, up to risk 
And by the way, that might sound like something you don't care about at all at 16. Well, so we and did, then we did this though. We opened ourselves up. We had whatever Michelle made a video that mm -hmm. was just like trashed us based on uh, things that I'd written in the past, much of which was taken out of context. It was worth it in my mind. You know what I mean? Like it, it was worth it that for us. And so it feels weird for me to say, don't do it. It's I'm not saying risky. don't do it. I would recommend most entrepreneurs do something that's not based on their personality. Mm -hmm. I would recommend most people do something that doesn't require your face. Tony Robbins has to go up on stage and speak for 12 hours straight because yeah. it's the Tony Robbins show when he goes to unleash the power within. I, it's just not the business model I'd recommend for people. Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan's got a good gig. You know, he just shows up and talks to people. Like there are enviable podcast lives, but uh, just in general for entrepreneurs, I'd mostly say, yeah, if you can find something you enjoy doing, but that doesn't have to be based on your personality, that'll let you take a month off. Got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the difference, yeah. I so I guess that's might have different advice because you're so young and because you're interested. I want to. I would encourage you to do it. And you're not. I'm not worried that you're going to stick with it. <laughs> if you do, God bless you. But you're probably going to try so many different things. But the fact that this is what is intriguing to you and you've got, like, one of the things that I talk about in how to find your passion is where do you have this backlog of work? You have all these Google Docs of things. Fantastic. Like that to me is a good sign. Um, and the risks that Ben talks about, which are real to me are worth uh, the upside of starting this process, which may take you to eventually just being a faceless entrepreneur that who isn't running a personality business. Yeah, I guess it also depends what you want to do, like what you want to be in life. If you want to be a famous actor or a politician, I would say definitely don't do this. Yeah. But yeah, I guess if you're going to be in business, you can afford to go on record for a bunch of stuff, get canceled 10 years later and then make a faceless business. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just be aware. Mm -hmm. that you might not believe the stuff that you say. Yeah. I might not believe the stuff that I say in 10 years. Yep. Tomorrow, probably. But um, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't start a podcast at 16. Hmm. Really? Hmm? Yeah, I, I, I'm ambivalent to the fact. Honestly, if we started a podcast at 16, Lord knows we might be the most famous podcasters in the world right now. Right? That was 15 years ago. We'd been the first ever podcast. That was art of charm, right? And and granted, they. I don't think the first ever podcast is the most popular. I mean, Joe Joe's not famous because he's the first podcast ever. Art of charm was one of the earliest, and I don't think that what they were doing was mind bending. Uh, and it since has fallen off. Jordan has left, and all that kind of stuff. But they they had a business for a long time. But it all worked out for us. That's the other thing. Is like, hey, you like your life now, and you don't want to go change the past. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so yeah. Different, different advice. Ben would say be more cautious. I would say you're going to be okay. Let it rip. But It'll be okay no matter what. <laughs> Death is not to be feared. That's all I got. We got 11 Patreon questions. Cool. All right, all right let's guys. Patreon. See you in Patreon. Peace. Before we go to Patreon questions, first, thank you to our sponsor, Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire is run by our buddy. They make bone broths. And Ben, I know, is a huge fan of this. He heats them up, eats them all the time. But basically, if you've not tried it, it's ethically sourced. Uh, we've, we've discussed this at length because we know we're big on like animals and that kind of stuff. All of the bones that are made into the broth are actually from animals that have already been killed for other purposes. So we're not contributing to the demand for this. We are more trying to use the entirety of the animal. The other thing is they are very, very rich in micronutrients, which are oftentimes near impossible to get in other ways of your diet, right? You're not going to get them necessarily from meats or from other things. I know that you eat it. How do you prepare it? You just microwave it. So they mail it to you. It comes in a carton. It lasts forever, basically, until you open it. You open it, you put it in a cup, 
microwave it and drink it. Yeah, and for the end times, it's really good to have because <laughs> it has a lot of good <laughs> shelf life. <laughs> uh, I've actually been meaning to do it. I have some. I'm just, I literally am so lazy. I can't microwave a damn thing. So for, for you, for you, Justin, I'm going to give this a try. But if you guys want to check it out, we have a link in the description. Do you, what is the... I don't know, but if you click the link, you'll find out whatever our special offer is. If you click the link, you'll find the offer, but uh, check it out. It's good shit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.